We're going to continue our study of Acts. If you want to turn there, we've made it to the third chapter already. <laughs> yeah, I'll be dead before we finish this. Now, Acts chapter 3. And, uh, and I want to, want to remind you uh, of kind of where we're at. Um, Paul, uh, Peter has, has made this amazing sermon that 3,000 have have uh, come to Christ listening to. And, and so now um, we have the, the birth of the first church, and, and we looked at that last week. We saw that the, on the day of first fruits, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes. On the day of first fruits, we have the first church, and, and we, we looked last week at, at the important uh, elements of that first church. And so now, we, uh, now we're, we're moving on, and we move actually now to watching the apostles doing different things, going different places. And it's, it's noticeable, first of all, that they go in pairs. Now, Jesus sent them out in pairs, and so that's probably, it's probably a habit to some degree, but it also probably has to do with the Jewish law that requires two witnesses for anything to be considered true. So we, we see the, them going out two by two, as, as it were, and we, we're going to see Peter and John going today. So let's read uh, Acts chapter 3. It is up here behind me. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and, and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. So... Let's look a little bit at the cultural context here because it's kind of important. The first thing I would point out is Peter and John are together. Now, could there be anyone more, more opposite than Peter and John? Honestly, Peter is this guy. He's a doer. He's bold. He's brash. He's a, he's a doer. And John is a thinker. He's, a, uh, he's more of a dreamer, you know, more introverted, we might say today, uh, perfectly uh, ha content laying on the chest of Jesus. That's not Peter. Peter's the guy out front. He's the guy whipping out the sword and cutting off Malchus's ear. You know, this is, this is Peter, the motivator, the speaker. John is a bit more of what you might call a mystic. He's more thinking about the spiritual things behind what he sees. Uh, Peter, Peter was called the rock, and he had his feet firmly placed on the ground. John had his head in the clouds all the time. So they literally could not have been different. Now, I bring this up because 
you see the power of the Holy Spirit bringing people together here. And we see it every Sunday and every Bible study we go to. Because think about us. We have vastly different backgrounds. We have vastly different religious upbringings. We have vastly different even uh, things that we do in society, what we do for a living or, or, or the people that, that we generally are with on a day-to-day basis. And yet, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are here together. And we are here together on purpose, with a purpose. So we see the Holy Spirit at work, even in just the fact that it's Peter and John coming, uh, going through this, uh, uh, going into the temple. Now, the, the, that's the second thing I would, uh, I would bring up is, is you notice that the apostles continued temple worship. It was three in the afternoon. It was one of the three prescribed times of prayer. So they were going to do the prayer. Now, we saw Jesus in the synagogue. We, saw, we see Paul constantly teaching in the synagogue. So the, the correct understanding of Christianity is Judaism fulfilled. It's not separate. It, 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 it's not a break from Judaism. It is literally Judaism completed. That's, that's more how it's understood in the New Testament. They continued with the time of prayer at the temple like Jesus went to the synagogue, like Paul teaches in the synagogue, you see this again and again, where they understand their Judaism has been completed. It's not that they have to leave it behind. They, they literally have completed it. Now, some cultural context here, because verse 2 says he was at the gate called Beautiful. Now, if you look at a map of the temple and the temple grounds and the gates, there is no no gate named beautiful. So it's not that he got it wrong. You have to dive a little more into the culture of the time. This gate was called beautiful by the people there. And it was called beautiful because it was made of Corinthian bronze. Now, most of the gates are covered with gold and silver, but this one was, was highly polished Corinthian bronze. And these gates were so big now, that it took 20 men to open and close them. These are some doors. This isn't a gate like you got in, at, at, in your backyard. This is a huge gate, and it takes 20 men to move these, these huge gates or doors to open it. And it's called beautiful for a couple of different reasons. The first one, it's actually, if you look on a map, you'll see it's Nicanor's gate. Now, Nicanor is the one that brought this gate to Israel. Nicanor, and the, and the story is this, Nicanor goes to Egypt where Corinthian bronze is purified and, and polished. He goes to Egypt and gets these two monster gates or doors. On the way back in the, on the ship, they, ha, they run into this huge storm. And so they end up deciding to push one of the gates over to the edge, off the boat. Is this starting to sound like Jonah to you? He pushes, so they push one of the gates off. Well, the storm continues to rage, and they're they're still not sure that they're even going to make it. And so they start talking about the second gate, how it's going to have to go. And so Nicanor gets on the gate, lashes himself to the gate, and says, if you throw this off, you throw me in. Well, as soon as that, as soon as they decide, okay, we can't throw this one in, the storm stops. And And they come to shore. 
So they get to, to the port where it's going to be unloaded in, in Israel, and they're all, they're all thinking, man, we, we lost one of the gates. What are we going to do? Well, they look back, and this monster gate made of Corinthian bronze is floating behind the boat. So they gather it up, and you have these two gates. So it's beautiful not because this bronze is prettier than gold or silver. It's beautiful because of the story that, that, that brought it here. It's also known as the Gate of Miracles by the, by the locals. And it's because of the, the miraculous story of it getting there. And the, the, the writings of the rabbis show us that they give, uh, that they, they have recorded several miracles that have happened right at this gate. So this is the beautiful gate. This is the, the gate of miracles. That's where Peter and John run in to this guy, this lame man. So let's, uh, let's think about the lame man for a minute. Verse 2 says that he was lame from birth. Now, a detail we kind of skip over, but it's important because it, it cannot be said, for the skeptic, it can't be said that, that this guy was just faking it because he didn't want to work. He just wanted to beg instead of, instead of actually working. He, he wasn't faking it. It wasn't a recent injury that, that, that healed. He was lame from birth. So the skeptics have to say, this is a miracle. They have to look at it and say, this is, this is the work of God at the gate of miracles, at the beautiful gate. Now, this man was, would have been carried every day by family or friends and brought to this gate and set down there and, and what he would do is sit there and beg for money. Alms, alms, you've, you've seen it in the movies. That he, he would sit there because he had no way to work, and so if he was going to eat, he had to get money. And so he sat there and, and begged, essentially, for money. So here he is this day, sitting there again. And... And you also have to think, you know, you fish where the fishing's good. Judaism said that there were three pillars. The Pharisees said that there were three pillars to Judaism, prayer, worship, and charity. And so if you sit at this gate, you're going to catch the people coming in to, the, the, to do prayer and worship, right? So they can take care of all three real quick. And, and uh, so you fish where the fishing's good. This guy probably has made a... a He's, we don't know how old he is, but he's done okay to this point, sitting at this gate because of the, the three pillars of Judaism. And so here he sits again. And these two guys come up, Peter and John. And they, they tell him, now he, think about this. Can you picture this scene? Because they tell him specifically, look at us. They, they tell him, look at us. Now, you can picture this. He's sitting there like he has for uh, how many years? He's begging for money, and he's, he's so caught up in his circumstances that he's not even paying attention to Peter and John coming. He just, he's, he's just alms, alms. It's just the next people in line that he thinks he's going to get money from. His need is so much greater than he thinks it is. Because his need is not just for money. His need is for healing. And so he, there he sits. 
and, and Peter says, look up. Look at me. Look at us. Look up. I think we get like this beggar. I think we get so focused on our circumstances, so focused on what our current desire might be, whether it's food or, or money or whatever it might be, we get so focused on this that we forget to look up. He looks up and he's healed. His need was so much greater than his next meal, but he, didn't, he was focused on his next meal. He was focused with his eyes in front of him. And, and, and Peter, Peter says, I don't have silver or gold. Now consider, we know this gate doesn't have any silver or gold on it. This is the beautiful gate. This is the gate of miracles. It, it wasn't covered in silver or gold because of the miraculous way it arrived. Every other gate is covered in silver and gold. So you can literally, again, picture in your mind this scene where Peter points to the gate and says, I don't have silver or gold either. But what I have, I'm going to give you. Stand up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Lazarus, or of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And so we have the healing. The healing of this man. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Do you think this guy, maybe I'm the only one that thinks this way, but do you think this guy knew who Jesus Christ of Nazareth was? We don't really know. He probably had heard the name. He probably heard the name because he remember where he's sitting and you've got these people filing by three times a day. So he's probably heard the name. He may have heard from some, oh, there was this heretic named Jesus that they crucified uh, for blasphemy. Or he may have even heard, did, did you hear? He, he's risen. He rose from the dead. You don't know, we don't know what his background on who Jesus is and, and what he thought of that. But we can, I think we can assume that he knew the name. He just didn't know who Jesus was. Now, Peter's very specific, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In Jewish thought, the name is, is a greater, it's not just an identifier. We use it in our culture as an identifier. That's Jill. That's, it, we, we just, we, we identify people that way. In Jewish thought, this is the nature of someone. This is the, the power of someone, the presence of someone, the character. That's why they make such a big deal about who, uh, the names in the Old Testament. Because it represents a person. It's not just an identifier. It's, an, it's a representation of who this person is. So, so he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so it is the power, the presence. Peter is calling upon the nature and the power and the presence of Jesus for this man to be healed. And he is. He's healed. And then he walks and he dances his way into the temple gate. Now, you, you may think, why is he... Because he also gets discernment here, doesn't he? Does he thank Peter? No. Does he thank John? No. He thanks God. He knows it was God's doing. He knows... It was the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that heals him. He knows it's not Peter and John. So he goes dancing his way into the, into the temple grounds. Now, 
Another thing cult, uh, culture-wise and, and Jewish law-wise that we need to know is in Leviticus 21, it says that the lame man can't go in the temple. So this guy has been an outcast socially, religiously, spiritually, physically. He has been an outcast in every possible way. He could not even go in the temple until now. So do you see why he's dancing his way in there now? Because he is now accepted. He's accepted. He's been accepted into the, in socially because he can walk. He's been accepted spiritually and religiously because he can go in the temple now. Because he's healed. He is now accepted fully. From outcast to full accept, full, fully being accepted in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So this is exactly what happens in our healing as well. When we come to faith in Christ, we are immediately accepted. Accepted by God. Relationship restored. Accepted by one another. We talked last week about how important this gathering is. And, and we are immediately accepted into this gathering. We're accepted into spiritually, not only in, uh, to God, but, but with each other. We can, we can come dancing our way into church because we have been, we've, we've experienced this healing. We've experienced this exception, this, this, this being accepted. And look at the response of the people there. They're filled with awe. They're astonished. They know God's done something here. And, and you can just hear the buzz you can have that gate of miracles. It's happened again. It's happened again. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it's happened now at the beautiful gate, at the, the gate of miracles, at Nicanor's gate. The gate that has no gold and silver has become the place of, of a greater, much greater than gold or silver. And I think each of us can point to a, a time when we came to Christ. You know, there's an old joke about when you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised to see some people there. And there's going to be some people there that are surprised to see you. We're going to dance. We're going to dance our way in. Because we've been accepted. We've been healed. We are whole. Physically, we are whole. Spiritually, we are whole. Socially, we are made whole. So what can we learn from this? What can we learn from, from this, this incredible miracle? I think the first one is that we need to look up. We can get pretty focused, like this guy was, on the circumstances around us. We can get pretty focused on our desires. We can get pretty focused on the money we need to do something we want to do. We can easily get focused like this guy did and not want, just, just want to hold out the plate and say alms. Peter and John say look up. Look up because your, your need is much greater than you think. Your need is, is not just for some silver and gold. Your need is not just for your next meal. Your need is him, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
And that name heals. That name heals and, and, and allows you to be accepted. Accepted spiritually, accepted physically, accepted socially. We are accepted. We are part of something when we come in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And with Peter and John, I'll point out again, we are different. We're made different on purpose. But we still need to come together. We still, it's important for us to be together even though we're different. James, or I'm sorry, John and Peter could not be more opposite. But they're together by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're together to do the work of God. That's what we're here for. To do the work of God together. We may be different, but we need to be together. And notice that, uh, I would point out also, notice that what does this guy do once he's healed? He dances his way into the temple and prays God. We see again and again and again in the book of Acts that the, those who come to faith in Christ are immediately enveloped into the fold of the people of God. That's what happens with us. When we come to Christ, we are immediately in the fold of the church. We're immediately dancing and praising with the people of God. Some of them perhaps astonished that you're there. And some, of, some that you will be astonished are there. But we are immediately enfolded in the, in the people of God. So, I don't know what your current circumstance is. I don't know what, what battle you are facing today. But I'm going to ask you a simple question. Will you look up? Will you look up? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Will you look up? Get your mind off of your circumstances. Get your eyes off of your next meal and look up and be healed. You need to know Jesus. This Jesus Christ of Nazareth that Peter heals in his name, do you know him? You can. You can this morning with a simple prayer. A prayer that simply says, God, I know that I have sinned in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. He died to pay my price for my sin. And so I ask you to forgive me, not, not because of anything I could ever do, but because of his finished work on the cross. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, let somebody know. Come and let me know. Maybe this morning you, you realize that you're like this lame man, that you are, your, your eyes are entirely focused on the circumstances around you. Will you take this moment right here to look up? Look up and see the face of Jesus.
Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for this example of this man who just needed to look up to be healed. Help us to focus our eyes on you. Help us to look up and realize our need is so much greater than our next meal. Keep us mindful. We ask in the name of Jesus.